to your aunties could never a podcast for cool aunties and uncles everywhere where you hear no nonsense straight talkings and good stuff i'm auntie ak and i'm here with auntie nana auntie shade yay our special special guest <laughs> we will be getting into your business very soon yes. <laughs> how are you guys how are my aunties how are you doing yeah good 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 the sun is shining Life is life in, you know. Can't it's been a little sick, but I'm better today. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back to the land of uh, slightly better. Yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> being awake. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, we've got one auntie, we're on, one auntie down, Auntie Farah sends her love. Uh, she'll be back next week. Um, who are we welcoming to the family, Auntie Nana? Um, I really want to welcome to the family. He's been on our show before, but Richie Brave has had a, a, a big bereavement in his family. He's lost his only sister. And just each time he posts, my heart really goes out to him. And I just wanted us to just give him really big, send out lots of love to him and his family in this like really hard time. So Richie Brave is my welcome to the family and lots of love to you, Richie. Absolutely. From all the aunties, sending him lots of love to him and his family. It's a hard time bereavement death and trying to get through it um guys don't forget when you're listening or watching the show please add your reviews to apple podcasts to spotify podcasts to all the platforms where you can leave reviews and positive comments please do so we also have a patreon to sign up we have three tiers make your choice and to those of us who want to join those of you who want to join the patreon family what we're trying to do is build build be bigger and better and bring you more content more aunties more real talk more advice and more love so please don't forget to sign up to our patreon and leave your positive reviews on all the platforms um and let's get straight into it with what have you heard news and culture i think auntie nana you're up first what, do okay. you, what are you getting into i'm gonna go with my culture story which is a, uh, a story on harry caprio i'm hoping that is how you pronounce his name he's a uk rapper and this well last week now he actually put out a statement on his uh instagram page just basically talking about the music industry and how it's super fuckeries so i'll just read a little bit of what he put out there so he says that being in the industry has broken me Something that once was my therapy, my passion became my torment and my anguish. My heart hurts when I think about it. The environment that it's put me in, the demons that it's put me around. I only ever started this because I wanted to change my life. I wanted to be happy. I wanted my family to be happy. I wanted everyone around me to be happy. I wanted to stunt on girls as a kid, but by the time I started popping, I didn't even want that. I just wanted to be visible. I wanted somebody to love me for me. I'm not sure if I've made if I'm made to be a rapper, but I love music. I can't even say I love it anymore. Look at that. The people inside them buildings rinsed another broken kid from a working class environment, and they're gonna do it again and again, and the cycle continues. Why does chasing your dreams make you a target for everyone's hate? Why can't I just be like the other kids who woke up in a loving household? Why can't I be the kid that just thinks life is fun and goes on holidays with his friends? Why do I be respectful to these demons that are trying to take me for everything I have? I just really wanted you guys' thoughts on this and that he's had a backlash as well from people, like literally just being like, you know, he's a pussy for putting his emotions out there as well, like men can't talk. 
but then again, you know, just all of the things with the music industry as well. So two things, music industry and mental health and speaking out about it. What are your thoughts? Uh, my heart goes out to him. Um, we have many conversations. We have spoken about the music industry many times on this pod. And it is that why does success have to, it's seemingly, why does success have to come with so much damage, danger, and just almost, if you want to call it, evil behavior, just to just to succeed. There's this, there's this kind of blanket understanding of the music industry, especially. I mean, the, the arts industry in general is full of really bad people that take liberties with people. But the music industry's got like a special mm. behavior. thing, behavior, or I don't know what it is, rite of passage that you just have to go through in order to make it. And I don't know how we change it. I don't know how, why it's like that. Um, and it is what he says, taking young people from working class backgrounds, propelling them into the forefront of fame, and there's no duty of care to support them all the way through it. And us on, you know, the consumer can be very dismissive, supportive at a whim. If, we do, if they're doing what we like and we're enjoying their music and they're towing the line that we want them to tow, then we're good. And the minute they make a mistake or the minute they do something that we feel is not right, then they get dropped or they get attacked or they get slandered. And then you've got the people, the bigwigs behind them who are not managing their profiles, who are not managing the communication between the star and the consumer and just literally, as in, in quotes, raping them for all they can just so they can fill up their coffers and then treat these artists like puppets, especially the young ones. And, they, and, and then it sets a precedent for as they get older, where we think, well, with the older you get, the more you should know, but it's not always like that, especially as young stars across the industry, you get brainwashed into this way of being and it's very hard to come out of it. There are so many young stars that, turn, that have got so many demons as adults and it takes a lot for them to get through. We look at Britney Spears, look at so many others, but um, I'll hand over the rest of you. But yeah, my initial thoughts are, heart goes out to him man and he's not lying you know what though i also think at this point how many stories do we need to hear about the music industry being treacherous i just feel as though like it's very clear the price of fame for black people and like especially if you're young and stuff like it's very very clear at this point i mean 20 plus years ago tlc was in the exact same position of being taken advantage of meg the stallion of the current generation same issue over and over again i think people need to take more time to figure out what it is that they um what they're engaging with and how much they can actually take on because a lot of the time the price of fame is really really high and while the statement there was like, I wanted to stunt on girls. So there was a drive there to be probably popping bottles and doing the most. And now it hasn't worked out for you in whatever way. I'm, and they're not blaming this person. I, I do think that the music industry is quite predatory, but I do think that there's a level of accountability that must be taking place before you decide to embark on this journey. It seems as though this person is signed to like a major or something because they're talking about the people in those buildings stay independent create your own narrative create your own community of people that follow you and buy into your music like to put music out in this day and age you really don't need a a, a major behind you you can today we could make a song and put it up on spotify like i think people need to figure out 
how they want to engage in this industry, I guess. Um, and yeah, my heart does go out to it, especially if it's a young person, then they might not have the tools to navigate the space. But I do think there's a level of accountability at this stage because we've just seen too many stories. It's happening literally week in, week out that somebody else is being messed with with the music industry. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I just also think is I think his statement was um, not not surprising, and also um, it sounded like to me like a step in like self awareness. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like okay, you 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 your eyes have been open now to what it really is, and that's the thing. It's just like because there's so much fantasy injected into the content that comes out of the industry often it's it's so appealing it's it's sold as such an appealing thing and the reality is that it's like you know if you're the artist you're literally kind of work like a dog like do you know what I mean like um until the wheels literally fall off um you know and I think it's it's not for everybody it's cutthroat it's it can be demeaning at times you know you can compromise your integrity if you are a person with integrity you mean like you know um but there are many different roles within the music industry also um as well so you don't necessarily have to be an artist and put out certain content in order to have a successful career in the music industry also I would say interesting use of the word demons I do think as well we forget um or it's not always obvious to us that many of those people are from our own community do you know what I mean that are doing it and exploiting our own people and doing it for self-gain over and over again they are they are exploiters they are oppressors just as much as anyone else in those industries and 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 they think it's okay because that's how the business works so I think that people going into the music industry today should really you know you like don't take heed to statements like this and and try and if they want to be in that world I'm not saying you shouldn't but I think there is an opportunity to be a force for good um you know there's a couple of really good um you know there's there's many good people in the music industry I was saying I'm just particularly talking about the black side of things um as well with black music you know music coalition they're doing their thing um I really like what they're doing with Cheryl and them and them um I just think, yeah, there, there is space to be a force for good there um, and try and protect some of these young people coming up in the game and kind of like putting them on, do you know what I mean? Like, and exposing more of these like really untoward like practices that are used to exploit our people and our talent over and over and over again. Yeah. So he's signed to Virgin EMI and started recording from the age of like 14, but he's been like with them for six years, with Virgin. I think everything you guys said, but definitely I feel like the whole business model is exploitative. So as soon as you enter into it, there's there's a level of labor that you have to go into. And I think lots of people don't actually understand how that works, how hard you're going to have to work before you even make any money of any kind and get any type of fame and that all of the expense that they have and the glitz and glam that they put into allure you into it that that's your money as well like you're going into serious debt when you enter into this business model and it's like i feel for him i really do but yeah definitely we have heard this too many times before 
but there's still so many young people. I, even one of my friend's sons was ready to sign a deal that literally it's like he would not make any money. This, this wasn't even that long ago. This was this year, a deal that had in perpetuity in it. It was like, we're only going to give you £500 as your first fee and you would be signed to us for the rest of your life, whatever music you make. And he was looking at this deal like this, but they're going to pay for my video. And it really is like, I don't get how, it's really strange how you can actually like vocalize it to kids so that they understand what business is, like really get how money works. And when you sign this contract, it's not just for a couple of years while you think these people are helping you. It really is like they will have an, a hold on the rest of your life. And your well, signing your life yeah. And your intellectual yeah. property and your masters and yeah. all of the things that comes with being a creative. I do think that there is so much room for further education um, in the music industry and by people who are relatable, right? Like, I don't want to, if I was a young, I don't know, rapper, I wouldn't want to hear from an institute like it needs to yeah. be the the gigs is of the world and and them not coming back conan and that telling these guys this is what it is you know those kind of things because i just think that this shouldn't continue and it's here in the uk but it's also happening Around regularly the in the states as well and i just think something's got to give at this point like you couldn't do this in the banking industry exactly i think i think um i think there's ways and loopholes to to, to, to defraud anyone anyhow and it, it, that's the nature of business and it's, it's it's perpetuated all the time and I hear what you guys are saying about accountability but it is as a young 14 year old he was 14 and there's that element of parenting where you and especially even parents don't necessarily know there's parents that be like will sign the deal like oh my gosh this is it if you don't know there's such an element of not knowing law legal legalese as they call it just contracts and all that type of stuff. So it's it has to start with the music industry. There has to be standards introduced where it makes it harder. And I understand capitalism and business. Who's going to try and regulate making more money and more money, more money? It's almost damn near impossible. But there has to be at least some basic standards that maybe it is like the artists that we've mentioned who have been there, done that and know what's going on, coming together, working with places like the Music Coalition, as Auntie um, Sade mentioned, working with institutions or organisations that are trying to set things right, to mm. put in basic legal standards where you cannot do these type of deals too. And if someone's like 14, 15, where are their parents? And if they haven't, and even if even their parents, guardians, carers, and if they don't have the legal knowledge, a supply, a su supply legal support there has to be a system where at least that makes it a lot harder and if the you know because ch children will make decisions they'll hear it like no no my my life is different it's just the nature of young people and we're talking about young people and even it's not to say that just because you're older you should know better because sometimes you know just a desperate situation you think sometimes humans just think that they can do better and that it won't happen to them we have this kind of like damage control when we can see success enough not damn like self-sabotage when we see that successes could just be there and they think okay, let's just take the risk and just do it anyhow blindly at the age of 18 they should be able to renegotiate their contract exactly child you know between 14 and 18 really you know most places legally and then at 18 i think they should be able to then re-establish something else like signing away your lifetime rights for absolutely anything is wild in itself like it's terrible. I think in California that they have brought that into law now. I remember reading about her and um, she's now trying to leave her record label 
and within that it's like by I think it's 19 because she signed with them at like 14 that she should have been able to renegotiate but we're three years off of that and now she's fighting back for money that she should have got from three years ago um there seems to be some forgery in that case as well like maybe the manager actually forged her signature to carry on in a deal when it wasn't renegotiated there's so many dodgy business practices and really it does seem like it's when the artist wakes up to I'm being exploited but why is that a part of the music business why is there this exploitative nature that runs throughout it when the talent doesn't they, they seem to be the last on the rung it's like everybody else makes money and then the talent gets it like last lawyers managers all of that they make money and then the talent who is providing the industry is the last one on the rung I think it's I think it's like not to defend like exploitative practices at all but it is a business I think we connect with the talent because that's the part that we see so we don't often see all the people and the teams and everyone who works behind them to get them you know charted or to get their you know music video sorted or to get them interviews and all that kind of stuff like there's whole teams do you know what I mean but I just think it's just 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 um not proportionate right in terms of like what they get and what is being put into them um and yeah I just think I think it's just just, it's it's just the exploitation is just too much I also think that there needs to be as well as like negotiating when you turn an adult I think you should be able to bring up your kind of like case and have it reviewed like over a certain amount of time and go and get back pay if necessary like her is doing I think Bounty Killer is doing that as well at the moment kind of thing I think um I think his I think back catalog I don't think he's received any royalties from the UK side of things or something like that which is insane um do you know what I mean and it's just like like how how do you get away with that do you know what I mean and they shouldn't do you know what I mean so I'm glad that it's it's been brought up um and being dealt with and I think a lot of you know as long as I think it should be whoever you're signing with they need to almost prove without a doubt that you were in the right state of mind you had time to get legal advice And do you know what I mean? They need to prove that without a doubt before going ahead with these kind of things because it's not, it's just not, what do you call it? It's it's just not common practice. It doesn't seem to be common practice. With so many of these stories, it just doesn't seem to be common practice. And a lot of young people, not even young, to be honest, a lot of people are just- It's across the board. Yeah, exactly. They're just coerced into these things. Like, you know, some, what was it? I think even Notes was talking about, you know, issues with what he went through. I think, um, you know, there's people who've been, you know, bribed with like bags. Yeah. All, 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 <laughs> do you know what I mean? Imagine. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's, there's look what happened with Ivorian Doll with her name. Exactly. That's unethical. Like, how does that happen? Like, how is that allowed to happen? That shouldn't. There needs to be like, and maybe this is part of what the um, Black um, Music Coalition is doing, but there needs to be an independent body that helps protect these people and helps protect that talent because ultimately, this is talent from our community. This is our currency. Do you know what I mean? And it needs to be protected by these vultures from Absolutely. these vultures. To be Absolutely. Honest. And I think that's that um, industry wide when it comes to the creative arts. There isn't like an independent body. There's no HR 
for the creative arts. People are just going at it. Someone's going to say, I've set up a record label, I'm going to sign you. And that's it. And yes. that's literally it. And they are not forgetting some of the criminal element that comes into the music business and, and things like that. You've got people that are being threatened for life. Yeah. Literally, for as long as they're making money, they are tied to criminal organizations. Imagine yeah. that. And they've got no protection. So, and, and let's go back to his initial story and what one thing we need to explore is people who are coming from difficult backgrounds and getting into this space who they're not even healed themselves. So he said he was sexually abused and then his character, speaking up, even his character has been, um, has been criticized. This whole alpha, beta, male, all this type of nonsense, uh, all these type of things where you have people committing suicide, turning to drugs and narcotic, um, alcohol, all these type of things to survive in this industry as well. We have to remember that these people, not everybody's got the, even the wits about them or the background, the stable backgrounds or support, and they get thrown into this thing. And then, what are you going to say, Aunt Shade? So I, I just, I think like, not to, <laughs> I always try to see the other side of things also. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I, I, I don't know all of his work. I think I just know one or two tracks. I think Gluten Tag probably is one of the tracks that I know. Do you know what I mean? But like, it depends what you're putting out. If you're putting out, different to what you're saying now then for a fan that is a disconnect so mm. I can I can sometimes see the logic in their approach I don't think it's right so but I can see the logic of like but bro that's that wasn't what you were saying that wasn't what you was pushing do you know what I mean like and and that is a that is part of the industry and almost sometimes like to get into the industry or to stay there you have to put out a certain type of content I get that but it's, 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 it's a catch 22. What do you want them to do? You're telling them that you're this tough guy and then you're not acting tough anymore. That's a disconnect for them. Like, do you know what I mean? It's hard for them. I would, I would imagine it would be hard for them to find the sympathy if you are not promoting sympathy. Do you know what I mean? Only in this moment when you're down, then you want my sympathy. It doesn't, that's a disconnect. I get what you're now saying women have been taking advantage of me, like, future, go and sit in the corner. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm hypocrisy all day long for me because I need to shut up. <laughs> I, you know what? I, everyone but makes, then, he may be... He may be true, but he has to see... It might be true, but you can true. understand why yeah, people don't have the sympathy because you've built your career over exploiting women. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you are happy to sit in that lane and make that money, but now you want to cry because right. your feelings are hurt, it's please, a disconnect. Please explore, what did he say? I haven't even seen this, what did Future No, say? I'm just saying his behaviours and the fact that he's got about 19 kids or whatever. No, did he say that women have been exploited? Yeah, we, we, we spoke about it. He said that he, if he's toxic, then the people he's had kids with yeah. are toxic. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, I thought he'd like literally come on Twitter or social and said, I now am saying that to no, them. No, no, I don't, I don't think Future will ever say that. I really right. think Future likes the position he plays. And yeah. Has, yeah. I mean, just on a, on a more like maybe lighthearted, no, I'm not sure. Tion Wayne had a post the other day saying, you know, if he was to do the music that he really wanted to do to please his real fans or whatever, or the fans that he really wants to please, then he wouldn't be where he's sitting today because he said he just bought another house the other day and his little sister a car. So the trappings of success to get out of, in quotes, the hood or working class situation, yeah. people are compromising their integrity if they had it in the first place to just make money and get their family out. And I, we all understand that. Let's just, cause even in like, the, I sit more in the film and TV space and speaking to so many creatives are like, let me just do this hood stuff. We know it's detrimental potentially 
to the image of black people. However, make this money, get to a certain level. Then I can tell them, you know, the other alternative stories. Then I can put other people on. And it's a catch 22. So it's like, let's do that easy, low hanging fruit stuff that appeal to the masses. And even though I know what I'm doing is wrong, what I'm saying is wrong to me or maybe how I feel, I'm just going to get there as quickly as I can. And it's that, I know, what do you do with people like that? Who like, you know, how do you rein that in? I, do, I think it's just hard to... It's hard. It it's, hard it's hard to feel for that. For me, personally, I think it's hard. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, if you, especially if you're, if you're cognizant and you're aware of the situation and you know what you're, you playing this role or whatever, like is put in towards, you know, our community and how it reinforces that stereotype perpetually like then how am I supposed to feel for you I can't I can't mop your tears I, I think you just have to stay in silence so no no go for it okay, go, go. I was just saying I think it's content across the board though like mm -hmm. young Miami has this whole show now right that show is getting millions of views what is she talking about that is like anything more than you know what like she she ain't helping anybody change her life really she's just having conversations that she would have with her friends over the phone and while it's well put together whatever and it's doing really well there is a whole podcast out there or you know youtube channel that could literally change somebody's life that's got 100 views yeah so i think like people need to figure out <laughs> go on auntie okay no no i don't want to cut i wasn't going to cut you i was just uh, uh, <laughs> because the rest of tion's thing is that the UK ain't easy, man. The masses don't like the best music. And I've actually had that conversation, again, with creators in the film and TV space, that if I do something that's comedy or romantic, no one turns up. I do bang, bang, gun, gun, drug, drugs. People are responding. I don't think I, I always But I don't think that. you can blame audiences. No, you can't. It's, the, it's the, the, the houses yeah. that push what they want to push. Exactly. Like, they don't determine, the audience doesn't determine what gets played on Radio 1, what, exactly. whether it's on the A list or whatever you call it, the B list or whatever. They don't determine that. That's yeah. between the record label and yeah. them. So it's what is put out. Like, that's that's not within the audience's control. Do you know I, what I mean? I agree. Like, so like just like, less, that's a little bit of a cop-out. I, I agree. I think it's more 50-50. Because actually, if you're fed a diet of something, you become accustomed to that. And so we're now in generations where we have been fed a diet of the lowest common denominator of blackness that is served as that black. And so then when you move outside of that, there are lots of people that don't identify with it because they're like, that's not blackness to me because they've been fed one way, which generally isn't even how black created you creating but it's how you get, how you sell things. And so you will have your, you could have three different projects. And one of them is maybe like your shadow self. It may be the darker side to something that you're interested in, but that's what everybody will be like, that's going to do great. So then you keep on feeding that diet. Really, I think it is for the creatives to step into their own power and really understand that my talent cannot be exploited. And if it is going to be exploited, it's for something that I want to put out there into the world. Because the, the talent through is always going to be used in a way. So actually let it be used for the betterment of our culture than just selling yourself out for money. Because the money is going to come anyway. They need a product to sell. It doesn't matter. If we all decided we're not going to allow the sale of shit things, it would change. 
so that still the power is in the hands of the creator even when they feel powerless it's a lie it's not true they will still come to you because they need a product to sell if everybody decides i'm not doing that shit anymore if it's not what i want to put out there it's not for me they'll come around and they'll start putting out something else we have to change it it's not for anybody else it's not for a demon to come and be like oh the demon's gonna change no they're not they are going to keep on going for that fruit that they can feed off of let's change the fruit Agreed. I, I think also as well, like, I think there are ways um, that this, like, so for example, like with, I don't know what you want to call it. Is, is it grime now? I don't know. It's not grime. Oh, grime. Whatever. I think like you should only really and truly be able to do like drill or whatever it is if your work can be fact checked yeah <laughs> 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 oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> like or it needs to become come with a warning to say like this is not real exactly based on true events like oh, this yeah. is a figment of my imagination this is a persona like i think it should be that so people really understand that no I'm just a talented poet. <laughs> like, that's all. Who that's artist? you're right. Um, who's that artist recently? American artist who was like, say, ah, oh, I literally saw it on one of the boroughs or one of the rooms, and people were coming for him, saying like, he's like, it's not real. He's he talked about gangster stuff, and then someone was coming back, and maybe someone was saying they were inspired by the music that he put out, so he went. They didn't want to do them all sorts of crime, and he's like, it's not real. But then the arguments are exactly that you lot perpetuating something like it's real people believe that rappers drill artists i mean there are some drill artists that's why drill kind of there are some yeah but it's true but it's it's that like it's not true when you've got someone who's got billions millions and living in a mansion you're still talking about trapping on the block it's a lie it's a lie but people young people or not young people people feed into it to valid even sometimes just to justify their existence just Yeah. And then also, I just wanted to also just remind uh, that the majority, especially in this country, the majority of people that buy this music, that actually buy, are exactly. not our community. So, that, do you know what I mean? So that product is being sold and marketed to a community of who they think we are, not who we actually are. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that should also be reflected with record labels. It's just like, well, you know, why is it that you know maybe 80 percent of your artists that are black are doing drill do you know what i mean that it needs to be more reflective of like the many different types of music that come out of our community it needs to be more balanced it definitely needs to be more women as well being pushed as well it's just insane but um that's a whole different topic i mean it's this whole factual topic because it's also <laughs> that it's like they're the lie that's told that you have to do crime you have to be sexy and that's it and so and yeah. back black leaders yeah. in the group the black leaders in this music space do better as well. Honestly, do better because it's them. The creatives could take ownership, but also black creatives who are gatekeepers. Mm. You guys know what you're doing, and you guys are slightly worse than anybody. Um, Most definitely, the A and Rs have a lot to answer for. Absolutely, they they keep on picking the same type of artist continuously. Yeah, but why do you? I oh, just God. don't understand. Like to penetrate any market space now, it is the lowest cost. It like. We could literally film a video on our iPhone. We could literally upload the music to Spotify, X, Y, and Z, virtually for free at this point. Like, I don't understand why people still want to go to these major um, organizations to be exploited. Like, I just, I understand the glitz and the glam of it, but it costs too much. It, it just costs too much. It's, like, everything we just, it's everything we just said, Auntie Remy. It's everything we just said, like, you're there, you're like, you can see this deal. You just, 
it is the glitch and the glamour. Unfortunately, we're starlings. Human beings are starling birds. We like shiny shit. And it hasn't changed. And everything gets perpetuated. It's a 360, never-ending cycle. And we can break it. There's a few that break it. But those who break away, it's not everyone that makes it. Because already we there's that X Factor, American Idol, Pop Idol thing where everyone can get famous. It's not true. So for all the millions and hundreds and thousands of people that think they're going to be a star, there's only one or two. It just looks like it's easy. So you yeah. think about all of that. Who gets through? And that's all that's in our face, shoved in our face, and the content that's shoved in our face. So people think, look, quickly, quick things. Let me just get my money and I'll sort it out afterwards. I think yeah. this comes down to self-confidence as well as self-worth. And I think when you're from the hood, I think that is the work that needs to be done because it doesn't matter how much we talk about this topic. The truth of the matter, if you have if you're vibrating at such a low level that you think 500 pounds is enough to sign away your life there is a massive disconnect with what you think life is worth and you know this this uh, piece of art or whatever you want to put out and then the powers that be you know yeah. supporting is 500 pounds like <laughs> do you know what I mean but to a kid as well who's not who's just doing going to whatever somehow got access to the music label 500 pounds to a kid is a lot so then do you know what I mean is it in the grand scheme? Like a pair of trainers cost five hundred pounds now. Nobody's more fresher than these kids on the street with trainers and drip. But somehow, even lace wigs start at five hundred pounds. Like nobody got more lace wigs than these young people. You know what I mean? I think it's understanding the value of yeah. money yeah. and self and confidence and you know excavating some of that trauma so you can really. Um, understand what it is that you're trying to like the position that you're trying to create for yourself like I don't think none of these young black boys girls days x y and z have any business getting into the music industry until they do some healing work and that's across industry and taping in regards to content creation a lot of us are coming from such a broken place and like auntie Shade was saying like we need disclaimers on some of this stuff because some of it is uber triggering. Some of it is, is, is so predatory that it's like, you'll soon find out his dad was an artist and his uncle was an artist and this happened to them too. And they just took the deal, you know, it's generational. Yeah, that is so good. Uh, Auntie Shade, what have you heard? Okay, so my story, let me just get <laughs> a triggering one as well. Let's just say that. Um, is about uh, Murad Morelli. Um, he is a YouTuber. He's kind of kind of shot to like popularity through um, commentating on um, uh, Love Island and everything and doing like a few like viral interviews as well. And I mean, I can't remember what day it should. Um, no, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I don't think I don't know what day it was. Maybe it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday or something a couple of days ago, where it was just like all over Twitter these leaked videos and images um, from his OnlyFans account. Apparently, um, were just like exploded onto the internet. It was like videos and images of him like um, doing foot fetish uh, content, I guess, kind of thing. Um, he was doing like a bit of a sex worker, I think. Um, he was doing some sex work, yeah. And he was doing foot fetish, like putting his foot in people's faces, um, in their mouths, I believe. And then also engaging in like uh water sports i think in a sense of like getting people to drink his urine um and then also the most kind of like one is like involving in race play 
which is apparently when um, the people involved consent to be abused in a racial uh, manner and stuff. And like, yeah, it was just a big shock because I think he just done like some big event on the end of um, uh, Love Island. He was like um, thrown in the hat to replace like Laura. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then it was just like, whoa, what is all this? And um, basically, he done an apology. Uh, he done an apology video where he kind of like explained, and this is trigger warning, uh, talking about rape. So where he was raped at when he was uh, fourteen, um, and part of that he had like a foot put in his mouth and stuff, and um, that he said was like part of like where his like foot fetish came from and he said to basically he was saying to escape that whole situation he needed money and that's when he started going into the sex work to do this type of thing so he explained his story he said that the the I think with the imagery that the racial comments weren't him um but I think and I haven't watched the videos myself I can only go by what people have said is that you can hear him saying some things in the video. So it's just like, his, his apology isn't been seen as genuine um, and it's been seen as uh, a bit of like a, a non-apology because he hasn't really addressed the race play aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to know, did you hear about it? What did you think about this? Like, what are your... What are your thoughts? Do you think he's done out here as well? Do you think he can ever really, because the trajectory he was going for, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was on Love Island after Sun, like next season, like I would have seen him there and thought, okay, nothing of it. But because this has happened, what do you think? I feel for him, you know, I actually really like Murad. Um, I like how he's cultivated his YouTube platform and his interviews are really good. I hope, I hope there's enough time in between Love Islands that this can kind of like weather its storm and he will get a place on the actual show. Because I do think to me there's, from the little clips of videos that I saw, it seemed like everything was consensual. And I personally don't understand race play, but the sentient <laughs> adults do do it and they want to be abused and the, you know, they add in all of the racial slurs in there as well. So I don't know. It seems like people were at it, and I don't think there's anything. Um, I'm not offended by anything that I saw. It just seemed like, and I was more, I felt more sorry for him that he had to explain his abuse and give context to something that he has done in his past that allowed him to leave his situation that he was in. I, I just really felt like this somebody's coming after him and it's like why are you coming after this dude like all he wants to do is be a presenter I just really felt for him so yeah I hope he he is able to get in there and I hope people forget about it and forgive him as well it's like humans do human shit and he wasn't abusing anybody they were all consenting adults indulging in sexual practices that lots of us don't understand also is this behind a paywall like this is behind like say for instance an only fans is it's so I would imagine so. Yeah, was it most private, of it was. Yeah. If it's not private videos that he's not expecting people to pay him for, then I think that's different. Like if that was almost like revenge porn, somebody put it out to be malicious, then I think that's different. You could, well, I could like 
give it a blight because this is something somebody does in the privacy of their home. They have no intention of other people who were outside of that activity seeing it. But if somebody's actually put this online for other people to pay for it with the racial slurs and, you know, that, that format of whatever, <laughs> like, mm. then I'm like, mm, you put this out online for money. Like, this is very different than you just doing something in your home and it's like some home edit. You know what I mean? This is you putting this out on the internet. And what we know for sure is that somebody's going to use a phone record and put your business out, outside of the paywall. And so um, I don't want anyone's career to not take off, but I do think we're in a time where we have to be uber mindful. I mean, people are digging up tweets from 10 years ago where somebody said, la, la, la. And we know this, you know. So I think that um, this person has to take some accountability. I do feel um, some compassion, though, because they were abused and maybe haven't done some healing around that. And, you know, but... If you're putting this up behind a paywall, then you you know what you're up to. You're trying to get some coins. I've never heard of him until this story. <laughs> um, because I'm, I'm not in the Love Island space as well, especially because I've, I've seen that he's quite popular because of his Love Island commentary outside other stuff. So I've never, ever heard of him. So my opinion is very surface. Um, and it does feed into what we were talking about before, unhealed people getting into the public eye and having potentially backstories that if exposed can damage you and whether it's positive like and you can either turn it around and use it as a positive story to to build up of or you're gonna have to take time sort it out and come back again in a different way um I don't know I have no emotion for him so whether I feel sorry for him it's not that no one you know the abuse that he said on his video sounds a lot he um you know, that's a lot for anyone to go with, deal with and have to deal with. And it's understandable that people who are sexual abuse victims go on to sexually abuse or go on to do things that society deems as dangerous or um, what's the word? I don't know what whatever the word is. That's just not normal in quotes. So, but again, if they're consensual adults and he hasn't hurt anyone for the sexual play, that's not for anyone. That's, you know, that's just, that's his business. The racial part of it, because I think I saw and for you guys who know him, correct me if I'm wrong, that he does speak out about racial atrocities in the industry. Yeah. So that's the part, excuse me, that's the part where, what are you doing, bruv? Because that's the part where it can be seen as manipulative. You know what you're doing behind closed doors or behind your paywall, but then you're going out in public to speak. There's no, I can't feel sorry for you for that because what are you doing? Because that means there's an element of knowing what you're doing. You're not, I mean, you could be broken. You could literally be broken and trying to figure it all out but you have to deal with the consequences of what happens here because you were doing race play, calling people out derogatorily for pay, for sexual pleasure. It's a whole world and a whole realm that no one's going to really understand. I don't, I don't think anyone needs to feel sorry for you and forgive you in that sense, or you have to be able to deal with the response that's coming from that. That's very hypocritical, hypocritical. So deal with the consequences. I don't want him to hurt himself. I don't want him to be you know, abused in a way that is detrimental to his life, but he needs to take time out. And if he doesn't get another island gig again, that's okay. There's other spaces and other things you can do. I don't think he deserves a role or anything like that. Go and heal and then come back again and see what type of person you are after the healing. I think that's my opinion about this guy. I have no clue who he is. Yeah, I would say like I like I've seen I've seen more I've seen more of his clips on like Love Island stuff and everything like that. And like we do have to like remember like Love Island is a very exploitative like reality TV right. show. Basically, like you can 
you can, based on, I'm not saying his interviews have done this, but based on clips of some of those interviews, that can raise a person up or it can, you know, put them in the firing line as well. So he's very well aware of how the game works. Um, mm. And do you know what I mean? And the advantage and the disadvantages of that. Like, I think he's like super aware. Um, I would be shocked if he was unaware of how that works kind of thing, because that is literally how he makes his money and how he stays relevant. Um, I, although I think what happened to him in childhood, that is just absolutely, you know, terrible, feel for the guy, didn't have to mention it. That wasn't, as far as I was, I'm aware, that wasn't key to the story of what he was saying, he chose to mention it in that moment. And unfortunately, me with my cynical hat on, sometimes it's like, is this being mentioned as a distraction to what actually happened? Do you know what I mean? And that is with my cynical hat on, not taken away from, you know, anything that's happened to him or anything like that is terrible. I think he needs um, help and support to deal with that is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and, maybe that's a part of his life that he should have dealt with privately and not in a public way in this way. Do you know what I mean? I don't necessarily know if that was the best method to deal with it because it is such a serious thing. Um, but you know, he, he kind of got caught out and I think it is that disconnect again. Like, it's just like, you are publicly, you know, using your platform to fight racism, but in your private life, you are engaging in practices that encourage racism. Like that is a disconnect to, 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 to you as a, and, and the thing is, it's like, we're not stupid people, like we're not, humans are not stupid. Like if they see that disconnect, they're gonna call you out on it. Like, it's just like, they're going to um, say something about it. And I think it's like, that isn't, I think sometimes it's really quick to put that in the bullying bucket. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, no, that isn't, it's actually more complex than that. What it is, is that you put, you created a persona that's saying one thing and now something else has shown another side of your persona which doesn't match up and instead of you to say you know what I fucked up do you know what I mean that this is a private part of my life but I need I need help and work on understanding why race play in particular is something that I need to um have in my life do you know what I mean because because of the racial aspect of what he does in his public life fighting against it there's something something's not clicking something's not clicking where you are getting pleasure out of calling <laughs> people or do you know what I mean like that is yeah, something that needs to maybe go to therapy about because you are talking about it so much in your everyday do you know what I mean why does this why do you want to die under this tree though also like just don't talk about the race stuff. Why are you out here championing for this is the thing? It's popular. That's this is the thing. This is what makes me think like sometimes like you kind of have to take these things with a pinch of, pinch of salt. Like for some people, um, it helps their platform. It helps them to get more views, more clicks, more likes if they call out things, if they, and also as well, you could potentially argue, argue he could be more of a palatable uh, figurehead for this type of conversation as well. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? So like, I, 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 I'm, I'm just like, I'm a bit more kind of like feel for the guy in terms of what happens in his past, but this, here, whatever you do in your bedroom, that's, that's really up to you. Do you know what I mean? But there's clearly some things you need to work out, babe. There's clearly some things you need to work out. And that would have been 
more of a genuine apology that I would have liked to hear. Like, actually, I've got to do some self-work. I need to take some time out. I need to figure this stuff out rather than I didn't write that stuff. And this is what happened to me when I was 14. Do you know what I mean? Like, those are two different, like, one is more distracting and actually creating sympathy and one is more accountability. I think he was, how I interpreted what he was saying was explaining the hypersexuality that we were seeing in these clips was a direct result as he's processing it from the abuse. And I think race play, when you hear of people talking who are really into it, it is, is, to me, it comes under, it's like very similar to just any type of like sadomasochism. It's like they, there's a pain there and in order to get to it, to get to the feeling, they need extreme forms of anything to get there. And one way that gets there is being racially slandered by somebody else. So I, it's definitely all rooted in trauma, but I don't think, um, because I don't understand it, I don't suffer from it. I don't see it as a bad thing. I think of it as, as a way that people are experiencing life and how they choose to get through it, as long as they're not hurting anybody. If that's how you're going to feel, how you're going to feel. So one of the things is, as long as you're not hurting anybody, until those people really and truly come out and say it's 100% consensual, we're just taking his word for it. There's that. And then also that I don't like the idea of like, if you have a fetish, I don't even like the word fetish, because if you're into something that you're into something, that's your private business. And I think like that association with being into something that's not necessarily a social norm and also a sexual trauma is like, that is again, pushing a narrative that isn't true for a lot of people that engage in this type of sexual um, activity. Do you know what I mean? So again, it's just like, I, I don't know I just found it like really confusing and a little bit misleading do you know what I mean so like I get like it's his experience but again I don't think it was necessary it wasn't it didn't have he didn't have to actually talk about his, yeah. his um sexual um sorry not his his, his uh abuse, abuse. Yeah, his abuse, his yeah. sexual abuse in that moment. That wasn't necessarily the moment that he had to speak about. He didn't. He doesn't have to speak about it ever, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, and I don't want people, especially if you've been dealing with, you know, things like this or no people have, like, that isn't necessarily why they do the things that they do, like, moving forward. Do you know what I mean? He's just said it that that's for his case. And I think for people that don't know about that stuff, it's easy to kind of have that stereotypical um, viewpoint, which he's reinforced. I was gonna say, I think in general, no one, I feel abstract talking about this guy. I, have, I generally have no emotion for him. And, that, and that's another thing, when you don't know someone who don't have a connection in any type of way, the, your perspective can be sometimes very hypocritical or biased. But what we're not, we don't, not everyone has the tools. So maybe he feels like, or he felt like, and it's that explanation, like justification, his reasoning, and if it's an excuse, like this is trying to say so much in an apology, because, you know, especially the court of social media, the court of the audience, is that is your apology, is your behavior, can you justify it in a way that we will not cancel you 
and get rid yeah. of you and spoil your bag, spoil and your career, end you forever. And go on, go on. Just another thing that he is also known for doing that to other people who've done apologies. Okay, oh, well, okay. this is a them thing. down okay. and he will say like, oh, yeah. is that genuine? Oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just okay. like, yeah. the vicious circle of that pressure. So imagine you're someone who cusses people for doing apologies. Now you've got to do an apology. So yeah. I can imagine what is it what in his my thought process is like I need to draw for everything so everyone knows that I'm either believes I'm genuine or knows that I'm genuinely sorry. Yeah. And so then the best the, the I say the best, what do I draw for? The trauma that I've has been battling, plaguing me for years. That isn't a genuine, could be a genuine reason why he's gone into these spaces, but it doesn't satisfy everyone because that's not even, as you're saying, Ajali, that shouldn't even come into it because you did what you did and you're in a space where you kind of know how the industry works. But this is what it is, is like, ideally, before anyone gets to be a presenter, a music artist, or an artistic representative, or in a space where you're in the public eye, all the mental health, and that slows the business down. That's why there's no money in having healed people be in the forefront, because you need people, and, and also genius, we, I've, we've talked about this before, genius or talent seems to be associated with brokenness. So many of our revered icons, artistic icons, have had such damaged pasts. And yeah. because they're so, in quotes, brilliant, they're forgiven their madnesses because we, the consumer, are enjoying their art. And it seems to be synonymous that madness, depravity, brokenness, abuse creates these wonderful geniuses that we must accept. All these type of things. And people feed into that. And then it could be the fact where he's like, well, you know, it's easy to say that I've had abuse because that's where people relate to. So many people are abused. It's now, it's now a narrative. I've been abused, I've been this, I've been that. That's my story, love me for that, forgive me for that, and let's move on to the next step and let me get my next job because I've been honest about what happened to me in my past. Right, right. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Remy. No, I was just saying, yeah, because like, it seems like this person uh, is playing both sides of the coin. Like they know how to drive the narrative because they've said certain things about you know, how other people have presented their apologies and stuff like that. And then they use the back end of their experience to like make sure that they tap into that vulnerability and compassion from um, people because they know how, how like the public can be really empathetic and like feel sorry. And even if the, the opinion about this person is split 50-50, it's still 50-50, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do think if I was on his PR team, I definitely would have told him to put all that on the table. Like how he said, I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to, I would be, I would be telling him to do exactly the same thing. Um, I mean, I think in his line of work, he has to. Like a Wendy Williams, I think you can't have skeletons in your closet because they will come out as well. So like you just have to put it all out there on the table so people can pick which part of you they want to associate with and what they don't want to associate with. But I do hope that he, with this exposure that he's had and him saying everything, well, as he says he said everything, comes out, that there is a deeper level of empathy that he has for other people in this same type of situation. Yeah. And it can only make him better. Yeah. He's experienced the form of, of cancellation. So now when it happens to other people and they're in it, he doesn't jump on that wave of negativity and maybe he'll have more empathy to share a story in a slightly different light because he's experienced what it's like when everybody's calling you a share. Facts. Um, okay, we'll move on. Uh, Auntie AK, what have you heard? Well, I have heard a bit more kind of, I don't know, serious or not serious, lighthearted, kind of. 
um, energy bills could go up before October. Liz, <laughs> Trust is, Liz Trust is defending the earnings of energy companies, saying that soaring price rises and profits should not be considered dirty and evil. Cost of living, people are turning back to cash as prices rise. And I wanted to get into what is a recession, because apparently we're going into recession, and how can it affect us? So there's a, there's a few kind of top line headlines about the fact that we're going into recession, about the fact that winter is coming, shout out Game of Thrones, and we're going to be either sitting with but... our, all our clothes <laughs> on because we don't, we're scared to turn our heating on, and the fat cats of the um, energy industry are gonna be sitting pretty and you know, naked in their houses with a roaring fire. <laughs> and people are turning to cash, where, where we're supposed to be a cashless society, moving towards being a cashless society, people are now like, now nah, let me have my little, monies my physical money so i can really see where money's going because we all know that that digital money is not real um and do we understand what a recession is because sometimes we're like oh my god we're heading into a recession but when especially for those of those of us who have been living recession from the day we were born will the real recession affect us or um, let's talk about it. let's talk about it how are you not feeling are you scared of the winter is list trust right the energy companies aren't evil are you using cash more and are you scared about the recession? Go. Well, you could have actually just plugged um, House of the Dragon, which starts tomorrow. There's that one. <laughs> Our team's going to the premiere tomorrow. There's that too, House of the Dragon. Of um, which is the prequel to Game of Thrones. Uh, but uh, am I scared? Uh, you know what, to be honest, no, because I'm I I do live a quite a privileged life. Like my clients are mainly in tech. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to affect them, but it's it's not. Do you know what I mean? Um, like yes, it's it's probably going to be more like a bump than a really kind of like a fud. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I do I do need to kind of like yeah start with that. Do you know what I mean? Like I know I live a different, a completely different life to most people. So um, no, I don't think it will. Uh, you know, obviously you see the prices of things going up and everything like that. But like generally in terms of you know my overheads are pretty low. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, and. Uh, you know, the company's banking at the moment, so we're doing all right, do you know what I mean? So I think we'll be fine, depending on how long it lasts, we'll see, but from now to the end of the year, we'll probably be fine in that sense, unless something majorly happens. Um, but for like, you know, I think like if you're, if you're, you know, like, you know, I used to be, is like super broke, do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of recession all the time. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, so you, <laughs> and, you know, before I had to walk to work. I, I didn't have bus fare. You know, like I had to make, I had to live on twenty pound a week for all food, all travel, clothes, everything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's just, um, you know, those days. Obviously, hopes of God don't go back to those days. But like that is a very re reality for a lot of people. I think we're probably going to see like increase on like food banks and stuff. There's probably going to be another like campaign about feeding people over Christmas and stuff and everything like that we'll probably see that I think like no I don't believe this, this trust is nonsense about they're not evil yes they're 100% have you seen their bonuses have you seen their fucking bonuses their bonuses can pay for this recession like do you know what I mean I even saw a clip on um this caller called into I don't know who sent it but caller called into LBC and he was just like he just broke down how we he could raise like X amount of money to get out of the recession immediately. Do you know what I mean? So I think he was saying something about like, um, 
if you earn over a hundred thousand pounds like you get like you don't get taxed and for um you don't you don't get taxed on the first 26k or something or whatever you earn so if yeah. you stop that then that will give us a bit of money anyone <laughs> like he just went through these different things i'll find the clip but it was just like problem solved but they don't want to do that they don't want to solve the problem they just want us to suffer for some reason they're talking about rolling blackouts like i don't want to hear anyone right come to nigeria i don't want to hear anyone be cutting ghana exactly. seriously if that comes here you better shut your mouth like seriously you ain't got nothing to hold on if nepa arrives here please i don't want to hear it exactly. do you know what i mean so like i i don't know i feel i really do feel for people i think like this is you know why you don't vote for your personal circumstances you vote for the most vulnerable people in society that's what we, sh we should be doing um and trying to protect them in these difficult times really and truly but um and so i think i think i like i'm not even engaging in the recession talk because there's always money out there like i just believe there is money out there you gotta have the right thing you know to solve that person's problem and go get to the money like i think especially coming from where i'm from i grew up in peckham single like it don't get harder than bully beef and rice like in my opinion it does not get harder than that and i think there's so much scaremongering happening as well like if it's not the recession it's monkeypox if it isn't monkeypox is something else it's something else it's something else i just think that people gotta make sure that they are consuming the right information as well because as far as we're concerned there is no way out of this like people are just going to end up with £4,000 um, energy bills and that's just it. Like, if the government can't figure it out, it's not me, Remy Ray, <laughs> with, a, with my phone that's going to now figure out how to stop the whole entire UK economy um, from not having this problem anymore. Do you see what I mean? Like, I just feel like that is your job. You guys figure it out. Whenever you figured it out, let us know. But I refuse to engage in all the like fear of oh my god we're in a recession tighten the purse strings like we're already tight people haven't had pay white raise rises like regular people in years like i'm, I'm just i refuse this trust me to go and sit down somewhere in the corner too because it's not you that's now fighting for the spot to get more information to squeeze us on the other side as well when you become PM or whatever to benefit your family that now you're telling us it's fine to find out her cousin probably owns one of those energy companies and that's why she she ain't bothered you know what I mean like mm -mm. I don't worry about these people I think it's a bad use of my time you know um, it's crazy that Liz Truss who probably is going to be our next PM is talking about they're not bad and it's because they're all the same like to have an energy crisis that isn't a crisis that's being made just so that people can have billions of profit and as a government you're not be, you're not putting any regulation on that then everybody's in it together you're with them as well it's the same it's the same shit she's crazy they all are mad and definitely like Remy said it's uh there's no point in getting involved in this because this is like we're going to be affected or we're not going to be affected the best thing to do is think about what you can do with your life to survive these psychopaths and that's pretty much it just think about what you can do what skills you have how you can be involved in lots of different endeavors and keep it moving because they're they're absolutely mad they i don't know what they want well we do know what they want they want us to all be on our knees destitute so that they can give us a universal wage 
and have us as flipping slaves working for them. They are so crazy. Um, there's a Don't Pay UK campaign, if any of you are fancy, yeah, yeah. where do not pay your bills, your energy bills this year. But there's lots of which we have talked about, you know, what would it look like if all the worker bees down tools? We know that will cripple society. But then as a counter, we know that the media and the government and all the people involved are going to band together to scare us out of doing that. Because we know that it would probably work in some way, but they're going to do their best. There's lots of articles now saying, you know, the dangers of not paying your bills. <laughs> People are already in debt. So it's like, I mean, I'd like to risk it, but I, there's enough fear in me not to do it. But it, ideally, idealistically, I'm like, I'm not going to pay my bill this week. I think if you've got your mortgage and you've got like whatever you needed to establish from like having a good credit score, YOLO. Because like, what are they going to do? Millions and millions of people don't pay. What are they going to arrest us all? There's no gels to fit us. What are they going to do? Mess up everybody's credit score. Then no money circulates. Nobody, you know, everyone's in debt already. So they stop paying everything after that. Because you you put pressure on us for this one thing. Then they're going to say, well, I won't pay student loan. Fuck it. Oh, you know what? Actually, while I'm at it, that TV license that I never wanted to pay anyway. Let me stop paying that too. <laughs> like, it's a trickle effect. I think if we were the French, we would have burned out the place by now. In an article, I think rtv.com says, there's there's all these, there are a lot of articles. <laughs> what happens if I cancel my direct debit? The charity Citizens Advice Bureau, Advice UK has warned of serious consequences for those who don't pay bills. Head of energy policy, head of energy policy, Julian Cooper said, for starters, if you cancel your direct debit, you might be charged a fee. That seems insignificant. Check your supplier's website to find out what this might be. She added, if you move from direct debit to a different payment method, you will likely end up paying more as direct debit is often the cheapest option. Um, could I end up being in debt or being cut off from my energy supply? When you build up arrears to your energy supply, they can take action like moving you onto a prepayment meter or in rare cases, they could disconnect you, Ms. Cooper explained. Really? I must serve you notice before they take these steps. And you can't do that to millions of homes, though. That's what they're saying. The consequences, consequences don't really outweigh the facts. Like, <laughs> but I, we're giving you all the information. There is a campaign, Don't Pay UK. If you want to get, but please do your due diligence. And do your own research. And I think it's down to personal circumstances as well. Like, Charlie's business is bankrolled at the moment. So she's like, well, I'll just see how this plays out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but the next person that's literally maybe going to a food bank right now is like, oh my God, like things are going to get worse. But I don't know. I think Liz Trust and Co that clearly bailed out a lot of these energy companies anyway, because of that money that they are, um, having them, like the bonuses have been birthed from is, is taxpayers' money anyway. So mm. at this point, you better stay in your house, read a few books and get educated about how these systems work so that when the next thing happens, you're, well, you're educated on how to help yourself because they, they can't, they, what are they going to shut off all of the energy for millions of people? The, oh. the thing is, though, unfortunately, they will make examples out of people and they'll usually make examples of the most vulnerable people in our society. That's the thing. And it's just like, like, I, I don't want to see that happen. I think it's, I think if if the middle classes do this, then yes. <laughs> I think let the middle classes do it first because they're, they're the least likely to, for it to be like a, a, a stain, basically. Do you know what I mean? They're the least likely, they'll probably have more capital to 
do you know what I mean to fight um cases and stuff ended up with a congestion charge like we need to stop sitting on the fences for certain things like I'm not saying I'm jumping off the cliff tomorrow but like Mm. I do think there needs to be a better collective spirit in the UK about certain things like it is 15 pounds to go into central London yeah like 15 pounds to drive your car like this is wild no it's so true listen what on the lower scale we're paying for plastic bags does not happen it's got up in price and down in and the thing is it doesn't even help the environment it doesn't have you not seen have you not seen sorry on insta there's a thing that shows again black people we'd stay recycling bags my whole cupboard i've got no space to put stuff because it's full of freaking plastic bags that's the that's the jip we are it's not even just plastic it is bags like boots bags, standard. paper bag 20p right <laughs> and weren't it supposed to just be a standard 5p 5p like 5p a bag was the campaign slogan the only yeah. the only bag that i could say just a, could slightly because the weight show could before the, when it first yeah, started, happened, the weight show's bag is a bag for life or yeah. it's a solid bag but who's who can always shop in waitros for those of you who could always who can't and the you other can bags always bags buy those bags you can always buy those they those bags were available before the the charges came in do you know what i mean yeah. well so, there's like tesco's bags are so thin so yeah. so thin you put one sharp plastic thing it's open for life and then you pay 20p for it but people buy less as well because people can't that, that's the thing it's like a catch-22 they might as well reabsorb the cost and like try to find another initiative because i mm. buy less say i go to co-op i buy less because i don't want to have a i don't want to have to keep paying for bags because i paid for a bag there i paid for a bag for shopping i paid for a bag here pay, like i just yeah. buy less i buy what my hands can carry to take to my yard and that's it yeah. the amount of people i see that's me i'm like let me put the cereal at the bottom and put the other stuff on top just buy less we are really 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 gypped in so many ways there's so much bullshit scams from the government down that we do need to be a a lot less apathetic and more active like our french and other country um compadres i feel like it's changing slightly the organizations and how they're really getting people to like sign up. Something that Shadow said about the middle class people. I know um, there was one, so when people were tying themselves up to the um, roads and bits like that, they they put some leaflets down at my old workshop. And it was like, if you can afford or you have the time to be a part of this, we will cover your bail charges. Oh, we nice. have lawyers on deck. So there is like that they're trying to get that kind of groundswell of or like grassroots activism going because they know it's going to get worse so definitely I, I wouldn't do it by myself but if I was if I was attached to an organization and they would pay for the debts or if I do go to court or whatever they're, they're behind you then it's worth us doing that on mass. I was thinking about when we were teenagers and there was all those protests around poll tax and and although they we sold the poll tax to us as council tax, but what they initially wanted to do because the country was up in arms about it, they couldn't follow through on that. They still managed to tax us, but they had to change it. 
these are the things I think once there's millions of us that are like, hell no, we can't do it. We can change some things, but it does take everyone. It can't everyone. take a hundred, it's maybe it's thousands need to be involved. And I think they know that we're passive, man. The pandemic taught them no, that, that that they can get a bunch of, like the majority of the country on their doorsteps, clapping to, imagine. <laughs> to people. Imagine. Every week. For how many weeks? Around around the day, we're not giving them a pay rise anyway. And like, not and them to park for work. <laughs> I'm going to work to save lives and I have to pay for parking fees. Well, they know what they're doing. They know who the, they know who their audience is. They the it's yeah. wild. We'll, we'll be reporting this daily. No worries. <laughs> the aunties are on the case. And we will let you know about all the organizations you can sign up. But it's true. Be protect yourselves. Middle classes, get your fucking asses out there. The worker bees are not doing it for you. The middle classes, those of you who got extra bank, get out there and do something. Because but remember, when they start pissing off a Karen, because yeah. there is Listen. like yeah. a, a middle class white woman mother on a rampage for the pride, like literally, like when they, when it starts affecting their pockets, that's yeah. when we'll start changing. We need to take out of circulation. It's not avocados. What is it? We take something out of circulation and then there'll be. It is avocados, go goji berries, chia seeds. I think like oat milk. Oat milk. Oat milk. Get rid of oat milk. Starts with light off. <laughs> they can't go to Starbucks or Costa. They cannot get a frappuccino. <laughs> and shut down all trains. Yes. <laughs> all trains. No trains to London. <laughs> and shut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, you'd have to do all those things all at the same time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I cannot cope. Target is driving me crazy. Yeah. And then associate that with energy. Like, just, <laughs> like this is because of energy, the energy companies. Yeah, then, then everything will change. I do think black people will be affected the most. And, no, and the reason why is because one thing about white people, they're going to drink tea at work to not have air in their stomach, right? Like, <laughs> they are going to not have no gas because they've drunk 10 cups of tea in the office and black people need a hot meal at some point during the day, you know what I mean? So I think it's going to be us that's affected first. Most standardly, anyway, but yes, exactly. So so remove, remove tea bags. <laughs> yes, if you remove the tea bag yeah, and the tea bags, out, the country will be like, are you all right? Every calf. If every cat you know what sugar you know. get rid of sugar people lose their fucking minds sugar. no sugar no syrup no honey yeah. no um what avage syrup or whatever that's agave. called agave. yeah that's it none of that get rid of all of it they'll lose their minds tea bags and hobnobs tea bags and hobnobs i think that's a thing as well <laughs> oh my god it's true all right all right now it's time for this is a very exciting part <clears throat> Are you ready, my choir? Tell you whatever I can see today. All right, go. Bro, my choir. Let's go. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Here we go. Sorry, Remy. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Did you like that, Auntie Remy? Yeah, I like it. Thank oh, you. Very much. That's very so, sweet of you. <laughs> this is our time. We get into our guests' business as true aunties do. We're about to ask Auntie Remy all the questions about her life. Auntie Nana, take his away. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you do. 
So I guess I would be called a coach right now. And um, I work with mainly people who are neurodiverse, but I have a long background in entrepreneurship. I started out in plus size fashion and pivoted through um, to coaching now, but that's over like a 10, 12 year kind of span. But yeah, people would call me a coach at this point. I also have a, a CIC organization, which I'm a director of. Um, that also is around disability too. So multifaceted, but I would say in the disability space, um, coaching. Okay. Right. So can you describe your life right now in a word or a sentence? Repetitive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, repetitive. Okay. Uh, so Lucas, so as you mentioned, you started in uh, plus size uh, mm-hmm. fashion. What, so tell us like, okay, because that seems like really far away from where you are now. Like what was your original like career hopes and dreams? What was, what do you, what was you trying to do there? So I've always been a bigger girl in comparison to friends. I always was complimented about the way I dressed or, you know, you're young, going to ministry or sound, whatnot, like you put yourself together. And um, people just always commented on the way that I dressed, even though I was bigger than my friends. And I was like, yeah, it's not hard for me. It's just something that I like to do. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking around for like clothes and stuff like that. And people were always like, where'd you get this from or whatever? I'm like, well, it's kind of in the shops, but like, I guess I'm doing something different. And then I started to do some research around like plus size fashion and I'm just finding the same stores selling the same kind of tent dresses and leggings with the whole, you know, that kind of old school kind of look about how people should kind of dress, you know? And so I thought, wow, there's something here. Um, And so I did my dissertation on Andronogy and the plus size fashion market. And I found that there literally was nothing. So in 2009, 2010, I was like, okay, there's something here I need to like explore. Mm. And I created a blog at that time called Trapped in a Skinny World, where I was just blogging about different brands and stuff that sold cooler clothes. I started my um, online boutique at the time where I was selling vintage clothing um, for plus size girls, which was quite ahead of the curve because even at that time, Topshop had only started selling vintage clothing, much less to think of plus size at that time. that business failed but I was like no there's still something here so I then went on to create I guess you would call it the equivalent equivalent to London Fashion Week but for plus size fashion Mm -hmm. here in the UK and we had 13 brands plus participate we had sponsorship from the biggest brands in the UK um people flew across the world to kind of um, participate in the, the plus size event that we did and it was really really a big big deal because this was the first time that people were seeing bigger people in a confident manner you know well put together um and and the 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 market just started growing so it became a billion dollar industry you know and I definitely would say I I definitely contributed to the plus size market as we know like girls weren't getting online wearing bikinis as you see them now flaunting you know all the body and everything that wasn't happening before even some of the biggest bloggers that you may know in the UK Mm-hmm. didn't even have the confidence and now they're on billboards and stuff in the UK and it was literally because we were like let's give them a chance let's put them on our runway and from there a lot of their careers have taken off so it was really about giving a space a voice that didn't have one and I think being Jamaican as well like being bigger wasn't a problem <laughs> it was to society you know when you start working in the city or whatever where you realize that you're bigger than everyone else but mm-hmm. I was always comfortable in my skin being a bigger person. 
And you mentioned being Jamaican. What about your heritage, how you grew up, where you grew up? How did that contribute to what you wanted to do, who you wanted to be, and how it shaped your outlook in life and as it is, as you reflect back, actually, these are the pointers of my upbringing and my childhood, my environment that shaped who I am today. So I'm dyslexic and um, I found you like education really, really tough. Like I went, but like I was not present because I was always afraid that someone's going to ask me to read something out in the classroom, times tables, this freaking whatever or whatnot. And I spent a lot of time like numb in school because I was just worried that somebody was going to call me out on the fact that I didn't know how to spell or you know how to read at a certain level or whatever and I think that's where the creative juices started to flow for me from really young I was very aware that there was something different about me but in coming from a Caribbean background as long as you could articulate yourself people assume there's nothing wrong with you like unless you have a visible disability like you better get up and go get a job and <laughs> help yourself kind of thing and so I think that's where the creative aspect comes from and my dyslexia just allows me to see the world in quite a different way um so I might have waffled there but I, I hope you got the gist oh, absolutely Tina yeah yeah okay so how do you think the plus size fashion industry has changed in the last eight years I don't think it has actually I think it's very repetitive and I find that there's a lot of false confidence out there we, then you find all the younger girls copying the older girls who haven't got any confidence at all. And I just think that the industry hasn't really had much innovation since I've left it. And that might be quite critical because I didn't leave it on the best of notes. Um, exploitation, I would say as well, and all the problems with business partners and stuff too. Um, but I think there's been a lack of innovation in this space for a long time. Like I remember in 2011 going to a major 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 sports brand and saying listen we need plus size mannequins we need plus size clothing people can't be complaining about people being fat and then not providing sportswear for them to be able to work out in like this is wild and then we're like nah that, that's that industry isn't going to go anywhere and now all of a sudden every single brand has a plus size range mm -hmm. um, but I do think there's a lack of innovation in the space and I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there um, in terms of like clothing options, quality fabrics, I think, um, even mindset. A lot of these girls that are saying they're happy to be plus size on, if tomorrow they could click their fingers and be skinny, believe me, you, they're going to pick to be skinny, you know what I mean? So I, I, I don't think there's much innovation, even around technology, like where is the plus size technology that can help people X, Y, and Z, you know? I just think the space has become very stagnant. Cool. Um, and so now, as you said, you're more of a coach. Mm -hmm. um, so how and why did you make that pivot? I think I've always been a coach. I think based on my experiences, somebody who, you know, earlier we touched on the music industry, not really knowing certain things or how to navigate these spaces that happened to me very early on in my entrepreneurial journey. And I think I've always craved somebody pulling me in and bringing me under their wing and saying, this is how you do it. Um, I, find, I found entrepreneurship really, really lonely because I just couldn't figure out how to find a mentor or how to find a sponsor because I'm this young black girl from Peckham with the biggest dream, but like nobody in my family's ever done this before. And actually you're kind of fat, you kind of 
um, don't fit into the fashion world as you know it. And so, you know, I'm not really sure I can help you. You're not blonde. You're not wearing a red lipstick. You know what I mean? Like the fashion industry is very, very toxic in that respect, especially when you're straight out of uni and trying to find your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just I just think there's there was room for me to educate others. And I think it was a natural progression. And I wasn't always a coach. I think I was more of a mentor that liked to share information. And then my mentor was like, people pay for this. Like you need to be charging. And it just happened very organically. So in that, what you do, how it happened organically, what are the key things that a business coach, trainer, mentor does? And what like the nature of that side of your business? So it really depends. I work with people in two capacities. So if you're a business owner, a lot of the time I'm working with people on mindset and understanding their value and how to articulate that value and package it in a way where they can sell it for a premium service. And then if you are um, an employee of a corporation, then I may be working with you in a different way or your manager in a different way so that they can really understand how they can best support you to show up as your best self to help impact the bottom line. Um, I've been in organizations where I've been bullied, you know, you, the grammar police in, in these organizations, especially when you have a disability or the fact that you feel like you can't disclose because there isn't any support. I know we're having all the conversations about DNI now, but that wasn't always the case 10, 12 years ago. This was non-existent in this space, you know what I mean? Even going to work with braids was like, what then white people going to say this week about my hair? You know what I mean? So I think the space has morphed. I still think there's a lot of work to do. And so I work with corporations in a very, very different way than I would an individual who needs business support. Um, and a lot of my work around business as well is helping people to dream bigger. A lot of the time there is space for us to do more work, but our ideas are so tiny because we're like boxed in and we're afraid of what people think that we don't really ever reach our full potential with our dreams. And so it's making like me helping you establish what it is that you want to achieve and then figure out, figuring out the best plan and strategy about how we can help you to execute and achieve it. Do you still do the, um, is it the rainy day fund or? Yeah, the shit happens fund. Shit so happens. <laughs> the shit happens fund was birthed out of the fact that I, I left uni with nearly 10 grand worth of um, credit card debt because I was just doing all the holidays and booking the hotels and stuff, right? And, you know, they throw the credit cards at you when you go to uni and overdrafts and stuff. And, like, I looked around and I was, like, 28 or... No, I wasn't 28. I think I was, like, 27. And I still had 10 grand worth of credit card debt. And I'm thinking, when is this thing going to go, like, every month paying £200 or what? And, and I'm like, something got to give. So I just got really, really focused on paying down this debt and I showcased it on Instagram before stories and reels really, well, maybe stories, but not like um, highlights and things like that. Mm -hmm. And people were just really intrigued with my journey. And then I paid off the debt and then I was like, okay, what I need is a minimum of a thousand pounds because if there's an emergency, a thousand pounds could probably cover it. If your car breaks down, if you need to catch a flight, if you need to book yourself into a hotel, a thousand pounds probably cover it. And so then I labeled it the shit happens fun because shit happens. Um, and then I put it out on Instagram and then I ran my first cohort. So it's been four years in um, where other women are learning to save their first one thousand pounds or more. Um, we've had three home buyers come, four home buyers, one international. Wow. We've had women paying off debt at a rapid rate. Um, they're getting promotions at their job because they feel connected in community, and we're having very open, transparent conversations as Black women about what we deserve in employment and things of that nature. Some of them are getting therapy paid through their companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
some of them are buying their dream cars, you know, um, investors, they've become investors, they've been investing into stocks. And collectively over the last four years, we've saved more than 120,000 um, pounds collectively. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's um, discovering that you were dyslexic though, how much of a setback was that for you? And at what stage of your career or life was that? So I, I always knew something wrong, was wrong and it might sound wild for me to say that like even as early as reception, I knew that there was something wrong with my engagement with other kids. So other kids would play and maybe, you know, write out their ABCs or, you know, phonics and things like that. And I just never would. I wouldn't engage in it. And my mum used to say I used to write like in a way of a mirror. So it would be backwards. I would write backwards, which we know that means there's something wrong with the way that your mind is processing information. But in a Caribbean household, it's like, what are you talking about? You can talk like, <laughs> you might be writing backwards now, you're probably just young and you'll figure it out. That is the other way soon. Um, so I was diagnosed at 19 at uni. I went to London College of Fashion and they were like, yeah, you might be dyslexic, dyslexic. What the hell is dyslexic? Like, I can't even spell. You know, <laughs> Such a difficult word to spell. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I was diagnosed at, at university and I think there was always, like, if the, if there's ever a place I've lacked confidence, that's it. I don't have a problem about having crooked teeth or being the bigger friend or this, that and the other. It was always around reading and writing. Those were always the areas that I always felt like I felt sh I failed short. And I think it's one of the reasons why I started coaching later on in life where I could have probably done this a long time ago because I didn't feel qualified to do that even though I've had a plethora of experience in the respective fields that like I support people um, so I think it's always plagued me and even to this day I'm noted as one of the top 50 most influential neurodivergent women in the UK in 2019 thank you and um, still like you're not going to get me on a stage reading from no goddamn prompt <laughs> Like you either get Remy Ray or nah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go up there shaving off myself to read your thing, you know what I mean? So I think it's always there. And because it's been there for so many years and I've had rejection after rejection, being dyslexic and filling out an application form online, being dyslexic and going to an interview and having to use your memory to remember all these stats about this company and not being confident enough to say, can I bring a piece of paper in? Or, you know what, let me disclose I'm dyslexic early. Are they going to give me an interview? No, do you know what I mean? So all of these things connect back to your livelihood as well. And there's like a lot of people struggling with their disabilities that are just so afraid because they just don't know how they're going to be able to feed themselves if they show up and say I've got an issue yeah hey, I feel you and definitely you've been there um over the years for sure and I, I do think it's one of those things that it's like unless you're experiencing it it's really difficult for other people to understand it. Um, another thing that you mentioned was about being bullied. Mm. Um, could you speak to that, if you don't mind, a little bit and like mm. how you actually like overcame that, like how you got through that? I don't know if I've ever really overcame it. I think that I care more about nobody else having my experience mm. than anything like at nearly every single organization I've worked for, I've been bullied in some capacity, whether it was the grammar police or whether it was fragile white women scared of me showing up with the big ideas and being able to execute on them and then, you know, falling short because they don't have it. Or 
another white woman or white man that wants to suppress you because who is this black girl who do you think you are coming in here doing all the things and asking for more money like I'm paying you more money to live next door to me you know what I mean like I ain't doing that so I think I've I don't think that the bullying has really ever stopped I've raised grievances that have gone nowhere um nobody can hear you and then even when you raise the grievance about the issues that you're having it's the person who's bullied you's friend <laughs> you know what I mean so then it goes nowhere again so I don't think that there has been a time where that's ever really stopped for me outside like if I'm working in an organization mm -hmm. um but my experiences have been quite rotten like I had a 360 review once where every single person in the team wrote horrible comments about me and then the manager presented them back at that time I was like 22 23 the very early stages of being in career in corporate um and I realized some of this is by design as well because if they knock your confidence early enough you will fall into line with whatever it is that they need you to do because yeah. you're so afraid of like messing things up in the future. You literally become like a, a dummy in a way. You just follow whatever everybody else is doing and you never like come out of your shell. You, you like all of those things. I, I feel like they do it on purpose. I really do. I appreciate you actually saying that you haven't necessarily gotten over it because there's always that I've overcome and these yeah. are the tools and people then feel like if they haven't overcome it or haven't found a way through it, then they failed themselves and that they're there at fault. So I really, really appreciate you saying it's not like you don't just get over it. You and also get bullied in different ways. In like different ways, there's so yeah. And in different situations, like every scenario, you can get a different situation. So it happens consistently. But I think what your testament to is being able to rise above and continue mm. through it, maybe not even above it, but through it and still being successful in your space, but not that, but it never doesn't necessarily always get easier and resolved. And that's you have to understand your strengths as well. I think not enough of us from the black community and people with disabilities and things of that nature understand their strengths. One thing I am is very strategic. One thing I'm going to do is bring the ideas to the table. And the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to execute on the vision. Like mm -hmm. my work ethic is un matched and I think understanding that and knowing my strength in that capacity it always allows me to leave these spaces that try to tear me down knowing listen you might take this one but trust me what God has got for me tomorrow I'm going to come with 10 yeah. so I always try to make sure that like I don't stay in spaces too long that try to extract the beauty and the gifts from me because that is where they get you when you stay too long with them beating you down yeah. Um, and just on that, I suppose, with the focus on neuro neurodiversity, but also about being bullied, mm. how do these organisations and people in senior positions or just general colleagues and co-workers, how do they get it wrong when accommodating for people with neurodiversities and with just general differences, being in a space, you know, just being a black woman in a space? Mm, it's an assumption, again, like the fact that I can articulate myself makes people think that there's nothing wrong in the fact that I'm oh. confident with my yeah. Right, the fact that's that well seen. <laughs> it's just like it's like you're making it up because you know no. Yeah. yeah, I've been asked like, well, if you are dyslexic, then I'm like, uh, here's the report, lady. Like, just got to the corner somewhere. But I do think that um there needs to be a change of the tide because a lot of these people in um senior leadership roles, right, they're operating from such an archaic perspective that like it's not even relevant half of the information that they know. And I'm not 
trying to be ageist, but it's true. Languages evolve. Um, things, the vulnerabilities that people are happy to speak about and express in organizations, it's changed. Black Lives Matter has allowed so much room for so much more conversation to be had at, in the workplace that if you've got no empathy, understanding or consideration, you really shouldn't be leading anyone. You need to go back, do some work and then maybe come forth. And I do believe that like, if you are a manager, every two years, you should be held to task with how you're leading people. Because if your manager thinks you ain't shit, best believe you're never gonna get a promotion from that manager because they're like, mm -mm, no, there's no way I'm gonna promote you when they think that you don't have that capability or they don't see that for you. Like, so I do think people need to be retrained. Uh, I was gonna say also, and for the employee or the mm. person in business, I think because when you have something that you can you've been diagnosed with dyslexia or any other neurodivergent yeah, difference that makes it, it doesn't make it easier but then if you've got something to touch and say this is what it is but if you've got personal issues that are not necessarily something that you can declare mm. how do you navigate because it is exactly that it's, it's, you I'm, also don't have to right you don't exactly, have to and the assumption well. that you're okay and people take you on face value that like you're okay so I'm we're going to treat you as you're okay but you might be like I don't want to disclose or I don't have a diagnosis that you will understand, but I know mm. internally there's something not right. So this mm. is how it affects me as an employee or as a creative or mm. being in space with other people. How do you, in your opinion, or how have you maybe advised people to navigate those things? I think you have to navigate it externally first. And the reason why I say that is because you don't want these people's opinions or the lack of understanding to shape your view of yourself now like you could meet somebody in HR that has no understanding of what you're actually going through that turns around and says this is normal don't worry about it like just you know what I'm saying and then what the person ends up losing their job because they've been performance reviewed out because this person in HR told them it's fine listen you've got to find your external validate yourself externally from the, the organization so wherever you go if that job is no longer it that you still feel pumped up and you still have the confidence in yourself to move yourself forward and I would say get some therapy as well because it mm. is traumatic holding this type of like anxiousness in your body for mm. years and years and years of somebody calling you out to do something that isn't your natural god-given talent like it, it's not a skill that you can actually do um, so I think therapy is a big thing and, and my therapist, Miss Donna, mm -mm -mm, she done got me together so many times about like my abilities and the way I see myself and things of that nature and it's been years like I've been going to therapy for over four years and a lot of this is trauma from me not being able to stand up for myself or you know um, present my value and things like that because over the years through the education system of people like calling people who have dyslexia or neurodiverse or a disability stupid or dunce or whatever it may be it chips away at you and so I think it's external first you must do that work external bring it into the organization and tell them what you need in order to support you so you can do your job better and if they don't support you literally take them to ACAS and and the employment tribunal you said a word there thank you <laughs> um so tell us about your organization um diverse creative um what does it do how does it make a difference so the diverse creative cic is a community interest company and we are 
it's morphed over time, right? We're more or less now like a bit of a hub, a resource center in a way where you can get your dyslexia assessment done or your ADHD assessment done, screeners to show like if you have traits before you then shell out the bigger bucks to have the full assessment done. Um, we run programs, so we just finished a program for Lambeth um, with Black Thrive who funded us for um, like an employment training program for black people. Um, we also just uh, finished launching a report about the neurodivergent experience for black employees in the workplace and, you know, the experience that they've been having, which when you read that report, you're like, mm, I understand exactly why black people are struggling out here, especially the ones with disabilities. Mm. Um, I've just finished, um, well, one is about to finish, but I've just recently finished a black um, accelerator program for black and brown disabled people around entrepreneurship as well, because there is a um, there is literally no voice or energy around the fact that black disabled people can contribute to the business ecosystem and have ideas and solutions that could literally change the world. And so that is what I'm kind of focused on now, like black disabled um, entrepreneurs and how we can um, help contribute to the economy, but also you know, highlight our innovations and our strengths within these spaces as well. So disabled, um, business programs and as well and hopefully at some point I'm going to launch a money program as well because of the shit happened fund in the crossover so that's one organization the diverse creative CIC a disability hub we do like coaching training for organizations and things of that nature around disability and then I have Remy Ray Limited I've recently changed the name to um, Audacious Arc um, which is my coaching practice where I spoke about earlier of helping people with their businesses and, you know, navigate the spaces, corporate spaces around disability too. Oh, nice. The end goal for you, what does success look like? Like deep joy, deep, deep, deep joy and peace. Like I've just had a baby, um, I was telling you guys earlier, she's 14 weeks um, today. Uh, baby Ray needs to have all the options and opportunities and I want baby Rain to decide if she goes or comes. I want baby Rain to be able to travel the world and experience deep peace and joy and laughter. And I don't want her to have to worry about the things I had to worry about, like who's gonna employ me? Um, am I good enough? Do I have enough confidence in my like spelling and reading ability to be able to apply for this job and things of that nature? Mm. So I guess what I'm saying in a nutshell is a level of freedom that I haven't been able to have yet myself. Um, and I wish that for all the babies, right? Not even just my kid, like all the babies that are up and coming, like if I could create a fund that can help support some of these young black kids dreams of traveling the world and and experiencing a level of peace and joy i would love to be able to do that so giving back and freedom that's beautiful um thank you this is the bit where you know we're at the party and the aunties have surrounded you <laughs> talked about what you're doing in your work but now we're like what's in what's going on in your personal life what's going on i want to know so getting into your personal business is quick. Okay. <laughs> so immediately right now, tell your favorite auntie AK, what's your relationship status? Are you married? I used to I'm engaged. Married. Yeah, I'm oh. engaged. I've been yeah. engaged for the last two days. Yeah, we've just bought full frame. I don't know if I care that much about marriage now, though. <laughs> now that I have a baby, I'm like, okay, this seems like the, the new important job. So the wedding can kind of 
wait. So yeah, I've been engaged for a while. I'm a relationship girl. I'm not really a out in these streets city girl. I'm a, I'm a relationship girl for sure. Okay. So you're a new mum. What's it been like so far? You see if there's any edges here. The, the edges <laughs> every day. Um, you know what? I've realised, and no shade on my partner, but I've realised the tax on women raising children is really something that needs to be uncovered and some serious conversations need to be had about the way that mums are taxed in such a different way to raise children. And I'm only 14 weeks in. What do I really know? But like... Mm weeks in of being sleep deprived and like that baby cry like penetrated your heart in such a way that you get up like a zombie and do all that <laughs> there needs to be a conversation there about how men show up and support women in motherhood yeah, yeah. Oh, the is like remy not today it's sorry <laughs> Listen, we've got you, you, you need to join it we need to, <laughs> we need to talk, talk the things um and so you're also an auntie what kind of auntie are you I'm an open auntie I want my nephews to ask me questions and I'm very honest about like the experience that young black boys have too and I'm very like I have real conversations with my nephew one of my nephews are four and one of them are 13 like I'm going to be the auntie that asks you you called somebody gay just now do you know what that means mm-hmm you know, my other nephew who's four is very curious and answers a lot of questions about everything and where other people may be like, listen, little boy, you need to go and sit down. I'm like, no, this is the answer to that question because I think it's really important to give kids the knowledge that they need to be able to navigate their spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, we should stop shutting their voices down from early. My daughter might gargle and be like, ah, babbling and stuff like that. I refuse to give her her dummy at that point because I'm like, let her talk her talk we need to stop mm-hmm. shutting down the voices of young black people period um and so I'm just an open auntie I'm I'm always here you can always ask me the question even if it's weird even if it's strange it feels uncomfortable let's talk about it love that yeah. okay so tell your favorite auntie something that you haven't told your mum or dad or anybody else basically tell on yourself tell <laughs> So you want to hear a secret, deep dark secret. A deep dark secret. Um and it's really been so, naughty. <laughs> do you know what? My, I don't know if you guys had this, but like in my household, there was always this conversation with like the elders of when you finally had sex, right? Like we will know. So when I finally <laughs> broke my you know, like they just play with your mind when you're young, yeah, so you, yeah. don't, you don't get up to nothing, right? When I finally broke my virginity. I stood right beside my mum when I got home, just to see if she knew. They did tell too much damn lie, these elders. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. So yeah, that was the strangest probably thing that I did. Can you start, when, was, when was that? Where were you? Will mum, will mum remember when oh that my God. Yeah, no, I've spoken to her about it before. I was um, 17 going 18. And I definitely should have waited as well. Like, I had my next serious boyfriend months after that. But I was so ready because yeah, everybody yeah. was like, I've done it now. I'm like, listen, let me go out and figure out this, whatever everybody's up to, to find out that I should have held out a little longer. So if you're younger and 
not sure if you should wait definitely wait until you find the right person man because after I was like that was it that that was it <laughs> I don't see if my mom know anything about this like that was it, yeah. <laughs> you didn't you didn't magically start glowing. So no, no, there was no glow, no, none. <laughs> okay, so like um not in the <laughs> not in this exact context, but tell us something that um that makes us proud. Like tell us something good that you've done that you're really proud of. So I try to do a little something every week one it's like even if it's calling to check in on a friend or whatever like I try to make sure that I'm very present in the people that I care about and loves lives but one of the things that I am uber proud about is um I started to go to therapy and so I started to speak about not all of the context but things that I spoke about in therapy because I think sometimes we're leading from the front and people want to know what's behind the curtain sometimes because they want to take action. And sometimes I think our community can be one that's quite closed off and doesn't want to share, even though it could save someone else. Um, was it last year? Two years ago, I created a challenge. I paid for, when I first started making money in my coaching business, I said, I'm going to use some of this money to help others. So I said, I will pay for 10 introductory sessions with my black therapist mm. or anyone on the internet who has never had therapy before to, to go for their first session. So I paid for that. And then I asked my network to, um, to, to pay for a session too. And so we ended up paying for about 30 sessions in total of young black women who had never been to therapy before to have their first session. But it was a trickle effect, right? Because the therapist business increased because yeah. now sending all these leads over. The fact that I'm being transparent about my therapy journey, more people were asking for my therapist's information. So her business literally expanded as well, even though I was helping the community and that wasn't essentially the intention. Um, but I'm very, very proud of the fact that a lot more people are going to therapy because I've been open and honest about me going to therapy. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, the aunties are super proud of that. <laughs> um, what's a family saying that you heard growing up that you either gonna that you either hold really dear, or something that you reject and like even that like you will never even impose it on baby baby Rain, but just something either that you really hold dear that you that's motivated you or like nah that's not coming through to my future. My grandmother was like the worst with language like my grandmother was raw Jamaican like Papua like nothing you know and she used to say this thing to us all the time when we would visit her like make yes I'm going to your yard before them rip you off like everything was rape 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 sorry trigger warning but <laughs> all the time it was always and I think elders do that as well where they're like at the other end of the spectrum of damage like it has yeah. to be death you're going to get run over or you're going to get... And I always used to think, why so dramatic? <laughs> why so intense? Um, so that's one thing that I just... <laughs> I don't want to do that because then you're just spending your time like, what's going to happen if I don't go home while the sun is shining, you know? Yeah. So I definitely don't want to pass that on to rain. And something I do want to pass on is that my grandmother was really into legacy. She was really into legacy building. So... As a result of that, I'm really interested in making sure that like my name is trademarked and I want to get Rain's name trademarked and you know establish businesses and things really early for her. She's already investing, you know, as well. And I just want to make sure that these things 
because my grandmother was saving and doing all those things that it continues to pass down in generations so that we can start to build generational wealth. Um, but yeah, intellectual property and understanding how we can utilize that as black people, I think is really key. And I want to be able to do that for Rain, whether it's like in a book series or something of that nature or whatever. But I want to build legacy and pass it down because my grandmother was always about that. Nice. Okay, right, so final question now. Do you have a problem that we can solve for you? Any type of a dilemma? Yeah, what is wrong with the hiring of help? Nobody seems to want to do work anymore. They want the money. How can we Say solve this again. Right. <laughs> help me, aunties, help me. Boy, uh, it's, a, it's a nationwide problem. It is a nationwide issue. What type of help are you hiring? Is this like housework? Yeah. It just doesn't matter. It could be the cleaner. They don't. They want the body. They don't want to come. It, it's more around like business, though. Like you can hire somebody with the best of intentions. Ask them all the questions. What do you need? How can I support you? Onboard them for them to fall short of the very thing that they were doing before you hired them. Like, that is their job. You hired them to do their job, and here we are. We've been here so many times. It's so difficult because you do want to support, and I do, like, I, I'm having a bit of a battle at the moment because, how can I say this diplomatically? I'm working on multiple projects mm. and, and some of them I'm working with people within our community and they seem to be the most challenging. And it's like, but I, throughout my whole career, I've always tried to, my teens, 80% black, like, do you know what I mean? I've always tried to put back into the community. Like I live by that hundred um, percent. But I can't lie, it is becoming increasingly difficult to justify the the extra time the extra care the extra patience the extra everything that has to be done for what seems to be very basic very very basic level of service and mm. it's just like I don't have the answers I can't like I wish I could I want to know too like, I don't have the answers because it's like I don't know if it's like, cause before I used to really blame myself and be like, oh, maybe it's me, the way I'm coming across mm -hmm. and this and the other, but then it's just like, hold on a second. But like, this is basic. This is not, I'm not asking for the world here. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I think there needs to be a study into um, black female bosses and yeah. how they're um, received by people, not just by others, but also by community as well kind of thing. Because I think that there is a bit of a disconnect, especially when you're young, mm. um, you know what I mean? I think that there is this thing about we're the same. So I, you're in that position, I could be in that position. So therefore the respect yeah, doesn't yeah. get matched in the same way as you would treat a white male in the same position. That's my. That's that's always my comparison. If I was a white male, would you talk to me in this way? Right. Would you be showing up like this? Would you be delivering work like this? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then the problem is yours, not mine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I'm one hundred percent agree. I think there's, and it's again everything we've been talking about today. There's a moment. There's an element of is it a year or two after school or after college or whatever where we all by force therapy business. Yeah. 
all this yeah. stuff of training and development because and though it might slow the industry down this is what's needed because yeah. I've had a friend who's literally said the same thing and she's literally like the person that's come through is a young white boy and she said she's been ghosted by the people that she's reached out of, of the community yeah. she's been let down she's been given half-assed work um we've experienced it in different ways all of us as we've all said yeah. I it's the familiarity and also is there this whole thing about our trauma and our pain being our badge of honor mm. we kind of have to navigate as not being an excuse or a barrier to entry however it is a it is a reason and a barrier to entry for a lot of people so I don't I, again I don't have the answer but, but it's at the point now thing. where I talk to the people that work for me as mind the business that pays you first so if yeah. it's Remy Ray paying you that's the business that needs to be prioritized yeah. i don't want to see all the thousands of other things you're doing on the linkedin's the instagrams and stuff if you haven't completed the work that pays you and it's so because it's so out of my nature i'm very collaborative in spirit when i work with people and like i cannot afford to be anymore because they have got me so many times by tricking me making me think they're going to do the work and then yeah. I'm, I'm the person who ends up having to do certain things and I'm just tired. So I'm like, mind the business that pays you. Is, is there a thing for em, um, employees, like how to spot the signs? Is there a little, like a little test that people can do to put into place, like take this test, go, apart from pitching, because people are brilliant at pitching. So where can people spot the, 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 the liars and the fakers? Are there any- You know what, we used to, we developed, because we done a very specific role, um at one point in my my other business we developed like a test because people used to come in all the time yeah I use google drive all the time do you know what I mean that like but like for, but for us because it's the it was the foundation of everything that we use if we say that like, yes of course brownie points like you're it, you're definitely going to interview but then it was like you get to interview stage and stuff they might get the job and it's like you, you don't have to do <laughs> you don't have to do simple things you don't have to repeat like copy a, a simple tricks no so we literally developed a test on like I think it was calendar um we called uh spreadsheets trickses um and something to do with drive as well and then a presentation but we developed that in-house ourselves mm -hmm. do you know what I mean but the time energy effort it takes to even do that because someone can't tell the truth yeah and you, you know, know yeah. and it's like you feel like you're patching them out as well do you right. know which you yeah, don't you want to get like, right you become Columbo you're waiting for them to yeah. mess up exactly it just but creates the wrong atmosphere but anyway but like, yes I also say as well like there can only be one Beyonce in my company and it's me and so, it's <laughs> it is me. Like, if you're coming over here wanting oh to be God, really, God. <laughs> no it's not going to happen and also as well there's a test called Gallup so mm. like people that I know that I'm going to work with for a long period of time they don't need to have the same skills as me per se they need to have complementary skills that can work with me so I try to get the people that I work with for long periods of time to take the Gallup test so I can understand their strengths and like if their strengths are so far off from what I actually need, then there's no point in us moving forward because that is 34 different strengths about like, if execution is 34 for you and I need it to be in your top 10, then there's no point in us working together because it's going to be working against your genius. So that, that's what I use. 
Well, thank you because you've asked for help and we've given you've given us help. <laughs> you're giving you help. You're giving us help. That's, That's why we're really help. help. <laughs> I do think you just about that, you know, because we've had that problem time and time again. It's just like, bro, we didn't hire you to be the managing director. That's yeah. what it is. Do you know what I mean? Just manage the event. That's that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's delusions. It's delusions, and uh, there is an element of delusions. And as I deserve, but yeah. it's not that. You've got to work your way up. You've got, got to, to and up. be honest. Okay. okay, Auntie Remy, that was wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> the aunties are so happy. You get extra. <laughs> Definitely, you'll get a full bag of takeaway from the party. Um, now it's time to know what's made you sad, mad, and glad, Auntie Remy. What's made you sad, mad, and glad this week or this past week? This past week, um, so I had quite a traumatic birth experience. Oh. And so this week I'm going to be speaking to the senior midwives about the experience that I've had because I'm very intrigued to find out if this is a, an anomaly or just their standard practice because I'll be very worried about other Black women engaging in their service. And this isn't my work. This is me just having a conversation with these people to let them know that black women are no longer taking the, the, the crumbs of service anymore. Um, so I think that's made me a bit saddish because I have to kind of relive um, some of the experience that I had with Say again? Yeah, um, they don't seem to have the best track record, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, a bit maddish, saddish, I would say. Um, what's made me happy is that um, I've had my nephew for like the last couple of days and my nephew is uber intense and doesn't like spending his own money so like <laughs> I, I keep telling him every time we go out you need to bring that little Nike wallet that you have and spend your little coins and he every time he's like I'm, I, I, I just don't want to I don't want you I don't want to use my money so I, I thought I caught him out we went shopping the other day and I said today you're buying your thing or whatever and he's like fine I'm gonna spend my money and then when we got to the queue they only took cards so he was like auntie Remy I don't have a card I'm like look at that look at that <laughs> so it just made me giggle <laughs> um I don't think anything's made me sad this week. no I've had a neck ache for like the past week and I've been sad because I haven't had time imagine that you're so busy you don't have time to call the doctor this is it's not good it's very made me very sad that is not it's not good. So that's made me sad. Um, I'm mad about is it the Andrew Tate conversation? I just I'm just mad that this guy is in the lexicon. I'm mad that the red pill gang are actually resonating with people. I'm mad that people are trying to convince women that these this is the way forward. I'm mad that men are tapping into this rather than exploring their real inner traumas and sorting it out. So I'm just mad at the Andrew Tate navigation in the red pill world. Um, and I'm very glad that we were on Kojo's show the other day. Um it was fun being on the 100th episode of the Rap Party podcast. Um, sad that Auntie Shade wasn't with us, but glad that we managed to hold it down for us, representing the brand. And we've got an upcoming live that's going to be wonderful that we'll be speaking about soon. So we're excited that aunties are going from strength to strength. And the weather is warm. I'm happy. Good. Auntie Nana, what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Sad that I was sick at Chenton, went to Chenton World of Adventures um, for Friday. And I think on Saturday morning, I had a dodgy fruit salad. So a few hours later, absolutely wiped out and just, yeah, threw up, couldn't keep awake, was sitting on a sofa, just being a general invalid, um, and yet yeah, couldn't participate in the day. But also I hated that it was so hot. Um, 
I'm really sad at the level of the weather. It's too much for me. I need it to rain and go down to like 22 degrees and I'll be happy with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, the weather's made me mad. I'll say the weather is my mad. It's made me mad. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it now. It's, it's too much. It's too hot. And that probably made me ill because it was so hot that the salad cart wasn't suitably chilled. And then I've had something that's going off and that's made me sick. So Be mad at the hotel didn't manage their food properly. <laughs> Them too. Um, yeah, also glad about the rap party podcast. That was just really fun. And that we have like live podcast shows coming up as well. So like, that's exciting that we're stepping into that space. Sick. Um, I am. I don't know. I don't really have anything to be sad about at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't have a sad. Um, my mad is uh bad customer service or bad service from some black outlets. <laughs> that's my. Um, mad, unfortunately, but that is that's the only thing where I've had to actually. I can't even be myself like I have to be like the bad guy do you know what I mean like oh. in the end like I just I hate I hate having to do that um but yeah I've had no choice basically so that's that's annoying um I'm glad that um I think Beyonce made history again with her album I think she got 23 number in number one number one in 23 different charts yeah. at one time kind of thing so she's in Brewer so I'm happy for her and that and then yeah it's nearly carnival um happy about that can't wait until Tuesday the 30th <laughs> cannot wait until that day um and the weather I've actually been enjoying it to be honest although I haven't really maybe that's what I'm sad about I haven't actually been out that much because I've been obviously just working on the laptop and stuff but seeing the view and like the sunrise you know sunshine just um the light coming through you know sunset it's just been beautiful so yeah I just uh I'm enjoying it to be honest so yeah uh I have an additional glad that I forgot to mention the mm -hmm. moon did you guys see the moon yeah beautiful. beautiful oh yeah 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 the other day yeah spectacular that, that absolutely made me super super glad and we had an event in celebration of this full moon as well at Hubble Culture. And that was absolutely amazing. Just watching women, the Muslim women meditating and setting their intentions as well. It was, it was such a lovely event. But at the end of it, me and my sister got properly emotional. Just like, this is what we've always wanted. Like a space where other people can use it, get the community involved and just celebrate their greatness. It was so, yeah, that was lovely. That made me super glad as well uh thank you so we this we usually auntie's got a, um, a spotify playlist um because your aunties could never just check it out in spotify um and we pick tunes in honor of whatever however we're feeling this week i was feeling like chump is possibly going to jail oh he's at least gonna get close to the jail um you know how these people slip out of it but i wanted to, i was thinking of tunes that um could serenade him in jail or send him on the way to jail or just to laugh at the fact that he's possibly going to jail so prison tunes or tunes about being caught out my tunes are akon locked up the remix though with chic louch fabulous and styles beat snoop dog murder was the case that they gave me obviously and khalees caught out there those are my tunes um check that out in the playlist i don't know if you guys have tunes that could be thrown in if not i, just have, a couple. I have a couple um i don't know who did this tune though, but I shot the sheriff comes to mind. 
and coffee rapture um those those two is all i can think of and actually ragamuffin as well by coffee <laughs> what one ragamuffin mm. What's the song where um where Rihanna's like rum pa pa bum rum pa pa bum that one um yeah man, man down man down yeah that one <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so prison tunes for Trump that's funny yeah. um check out our playlist on Spotify if you want to hear more of our tunes They're quite thematic and quite fun um finally finally finally. Auntie Remy, do you have an unpopular opinion? Do you have something on your hit list? Or do you want to let the listeners and watchers know something that they should not piss you off with? Pick one of those things to share. People just think that there's like an entitlement to your life because you're on social media. Like, I've, I didn't um, like promote my pregnancy or anything like that. Cause like, when I was busy too, like I was sick my whole entire pregnancy. Like <laughs> I didn't think that that was what I, that was my first priority to be on social media telling people about my, my pregnancy and sickness. I just think that people need to be more realistic. Like you do not own the people that you follow on social media. They are not entitled or they, you don't have the entitlement to understand all the intricacies of their life. And I think there's a level of delusion on social media that people need to get over. Um, so yeah, I just think people need to be mindful about how invested they get into people they don't know on the internet. So yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> but were people really like in your DMs, like I didn't know you was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Or, or people like I knew it. You know, like, I'm like okay, like I wasn't hiding. I just wasn't feeling very well to like. And also, you do not know me. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. well, thank you so much to our wonderful guest, Auntie Thanks Remy. For having me. Amazing having you on the show. So Such knowledge. It was brilliant having you on. Um, thank you guys for watching and listening. This has been your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, and you know, follow us on all the social media platforms. Watch us back on YouTube. Don't forget to sign up to our Patreon. And um, yes, don't forget to write your reviews on all the podcast platforms and Wherever you can leave positive reviews and comments, do so. Join us next week. Uh, we'll be back. And that's it. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.